Holly G with the Golf Insiders. It's been a busy stretch from the Florida Swing through Texas and Augusta National and onward as we approach uh, the second major in May. A lot to talk about, and it's great, as always, to have our big dog, the big insider, Bob Herrig from SI.com. Hey, Bob. Hello there. How are you? Good. Uh, it's been a few weeks since we've been able to catch up. Uh, the big breaking news yesterday, Tiger, surgery on his ankle, the subtalar joint, or however you say that, <laughs> below the ankle joint, between the talus bone and the heel bone, according to uh, a tweet sent out uh, by Tiger's camp. Um, when did you find out about this, and, and what's the latest? I found out about it only a few minutes before he announced it. They announced it, and, you know, um, I guess my reaction is I was surprised, but not really. I mean, you know, I just guessed, I just sort of thought what was going on at the Masters was was related to the planner that he talked about and it might have very well been uh but but obviously this is a bit more serious than that and um the surgery that he had sounds like you know it was a pretty big deal it's 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 not a little quick fix it's he's going to be out for a while um there's significant rehab they use the word fusion which we've all come to know because of the back surgery and that suggests that they you know that they sort of melded one part to the other. That's what they did with the, the spinal fusion, you know. And and so they've done something there which suggests to me more stability but less flexibility. So and from what I've read up on it, it appears that he'll be able to, you know, maybe um, get some of the pain gone because of this. But... Um, you know his his ability to have 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 the freedom of movement is probably going to be impacted, and you know how that affects golf is still to be seen. But um, you know it's just uh, just you know I guess it's unfortunate he's made he worked so hard to come back. Um, we saw the limitations. Um, frankly, uh, I, I was I've been I was talking to some colleagues about this and. I think what we all thought a year ago when he played in the Masters and, you know, gamely made it through four rounds but looked bad on the weekend, I think we all sort of thought, okay, this is just going to be a process and there will be improvement. You know, and then he makes the cut at the PGA Championship and and then does play at the Open, but I thought looked better at the Open but, but didn't have his game. But, but I'm thinking now that there really hasn't been that much improvement. You know, and that's what's, you know, from a golf standpoint, that's, I think, what's troubling. You know, is that he, uh, you know, he's still struggling. And he can't, he, he can't do the things necessary to prepare for a tournament. And if he overdoes it, you see what just happened. Or if he doesn't prepare enough, he can't, he's not going to be competitive. Tough spot that he's, that he's in right now. Yeah, or you add in weather, like, what happened at the Masters where, you know, he had to withdraw in the midst of the third Correct. round. 
at the time they said it was a, a recurrence of the plantar fasciitis, but it sounds from this surgery, Bob, that either A, he knew about it, but we didn't know about it, or he was trying to gut it out, uh, but certainly uh, this, as you said, the, the uh, prognosis and the rehabilitation uh, I read could be up to a year. Yeah, I mean, well, first it makes you wonder, uh, um, did he, uh, uh, was this planned? Was the surgery planned? Like, did he, did, did he know that he was just, look, it's just gotten to the point, I'm going to have to do this, and, um, and was going to just try to gut it out at the Masters? We, we don't know. I mean, uh, you know, he, he doesn't disclose a lot. Uh, he he had a couple of procedures last year that he only told us about at the Hero with no specifics. Right. And and you can kind of guess that one of them was after the PGA Championship. Um, you know, the people who track his plane noted that that on that Sunday he withdrew on Saturday. Tiger flew out to L.A. So it could have just been a routine checkup was planned, but. Jason Day revealed at the Masters that Tiger told him that the reason he withdrew from the PGA was one of the screws that was used to put his ankle back together was sort of protruding from the skin. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, okay, well, that probably sounds like he had a surgery then, and, 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 and it would explain why he didn't play the U.S. Open. Like, it, was, it seemed like it was never even on the radar to play the U.S. Open well. If he had just had surgery, he wasn't going to be, you know, I wouldn't even, it, it, it's, it makes him even coming back to the open that much more remarkable. It makes you wonder if he rushed back to that. It has to happen now is he's probably got no choice but to wait, you know. And then this brings in the question, you know, does he, should he really be doing this and all these other things that will come up. But in terms of the golf, you know, He's gonna. There, there's nothing. There's nothing to rush back for, really. I I can't imagine he could be ready by the Open in July. So then, what's the point of rushing? You know, right. might as well just do all you can and maybe get ready for the fifth major at the Father Son uh, in December. Yeah. You can do that. Yeah. You know. <laughs> well, I thought his caddy Joe Lacava said some very interesting things during or prior to the Masters and. Uh, described Tiger as pretty banged up. Uh, he said, quote, he still has the power, the swing speed, the shots, and the length to contend. The injury is devastating. If he could take a cart, he could contend tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Joe, Joe knew because Joe went down to Florida the week before the Masters to work with Tiger for a couple of days. Um, and, and he, uh, you know, he said to me, I asked Joe about this after the first round, like he admitted they didn't walk 18 holes. Like they, he was there for two days and it was sort of walking, riding, walking, riding. And he, he said, look, he didn't want to overdo it. He didn't want to mess it up for this week. So that means Tiger shows up to the masters and the first time he walks 18 holes is Thursday. You know, I mean, he played nine holes. He, 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 uh, he chipped and putted and walked the course 
I don't know how many holes on Sunday when he got there. But that's different than walking the course and playing all the shots. You know, and then Monday he played nine holes, and Tuesday uh, he played nine holes, and Wednesday he didn't even come out, which I thought was an interesting, you know, sign. Didn't even hit balls. Right. So, you know, he was trying to save himself, and, uh, uh, you know, obviously then when it, when it turned cold on Saturday, that was, you know, that was it. Look, he got the 36 holes in. He made the cut on the number. If, if Saturday would have been a nice day, sunny day, maybe he makes it through. But, I mean, you know, pouring rain, it's 48 degrees, whatever, not great, you know. Uh, it was, I think for everybody, uh, just heartbreaking to watch as, you know, he limped to the cart. Um, I'm not sure what hole it was on, but painful to watch and un, un, uh fathomable what kind of pain he was enduring yeah exactly your thoughts because you and I have been uh, extensively covering the live uh, golf situation Phil and Brooks certainly added um, some great drama on Sunday (laughs) yeah and who would have guessed Phil finishing Tied for second. Yeah, um, I think I think there's something to be said for you know his passion at that place and 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 how much he you know likes going back there and there's and there's some looked, there's know, some pixie dust around those fairways for Phil. He's he's liked going back there you know for for a long time though and hasn't had and hasn't had those kind of results. I mean, I went back and looked it up that day. You know, the last time Phil shot as low as 66 even was 2012. So it had been 11 years since he went that low. And he only had a 65 one other time in all of his Masters rounds. It's like 114 or so. You know, 30, it was his 30th Masters. Incredible. You know, so, so you know, he didn't, he didn't make the cut in all of them, but... But, you know, however many rounds that was, he shot 65 one other time. I mean, I'm not saying, like, you should just be able to do that, you know, but, but you know, considering how much success he's had there and how long he's played, he had one other 65, and it was when he was 25 years old. It was in 1996 in the first round, and, oh, by the way, in the first round of that Masters, Norman shot 63, and nobody has matched 63 since. So, I mean, Phil's... Phil's 65 was only one shot higher than the next best score that's been shot basically over the last 27 years. It's incredible. You know, I mean, now, granted, there was three guys shot 65 on Thursday. Right. But, you know, Phil, Phil wasn't, hasn't been shooting 65s or 66s around Augusta for a decade. Uh, it was pretty impressive. You know? And what so, about Brooks? Yeah, and, you know, look, Brooks, you know, it's easy to make the joke. So, you know, he's used to playing 54 holes. I think that's, you know, I think that's bogus. Come on. Um, these guys can play. I, that was not the issue, not to me. I think Brooks, you know, on the, the, the tournament was kind of lost for him um, on, on, on uh, 
Yeah, the resumption. You know, he had a finish. No, he, had, he got the two rounds in, 65-67. Then he goes out on Sunday, on uh, Saturday afternoon, only plays six or seven holes. When they came back out on Sunday morning, he did not make a birdie for the, for the remaining holes that he played. While Rom did, Rom didn't exactly go crazy. Like, Rom took a – he was four behind and, and closed it to two. If Brooks makes a birdie or two and has a four-shot lead going into the final round, you know, things might have been different. But he gave Rom a lot of hope by, by pulling with him, too. And, you know, it didn't take that long to catch him. And it took Brooks until, what, the 13th hole before he made his first birdie? Right. Uh, you know, I mean, he, he went like 22 or three holes in the tournament without a birdie. And that's just not going to get it done. I mean, you know, obviously there's a lot of pars in there, and there wasn't any big, huge numbers, but he just, you know, he wasn't taking care of the par fives. And there, there maybe should have been a little clue when on Friday – he shot 67. Look, it was a great round. Nobody would ever complain about it. Nobody would ever nitpick it like I'm about to. He made no no bogeys. But all of his under par stuff came on the par fives. He had three birdies and an eagle. So, but he didn't birdie any par fours or par threes. And other than one shot to a par five, you know, he was making two putt birdies, basically. He wasn't. He either wasn't putting well enough or he wasn't hitting it close enough. And so there was a little bit of maybe, you know, uh, bells and whistles there going on to shoot that 67. And then when he wasn't able to, you know, to, to hit it close enough, he, 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 he couldn't keep that advantage that he had built for himself. So, like, it was a great tournament for him. I, he, should, he should be able to build on that. I'm kind of curious to see how he does in Australia. You know, Brooks has never really cared about the non-majors much. That's I right. I know he won in Orlando. But, like, can he, like, get himself fired back up again to play nicely there no matter what the style of golf or who he's playing against? It would be big for him to have a good week. He says he's healthy. He he described it. It, it showed in his in the Netflix full swing documentary, right? Um, right. That was kind of a, a dark, depressing couple of years for Brooks. Well, and certainly when that was done, it was like about a year ago, you know, there was a lot of things going on. He was hurting and uh, a lot of injuries and, you know, he had both knees had issues. He had a hip issue. And yet in 2021, just two years ago, we forget this. Look, he came back at the Masters that year after dislocating his knee around Bay Hill time. All right. So... Like a month later, he plays the Masters. He couldn't even bend over to read punts. He should have never played. He missed the cut. comes back, though, at the Byron Nelson just to get a tournament under his belt, missed the cut, and then contended at Kiwa. He played in the last group with Phil. He probably should have won that PGA. True. You know, that Phil won. Yeah. Then he was right there. He was one of the guys in the mix at Torrey Pines when Rom won, and he also had a good British Open. So he had a good 2021, but clearly the inter- injuries were bothering him. Like he, because then what, going into last year, he seemed to have lost it again. You know, and, and he had, you know, in the couple of majors that he played, he had poor results. And you know, then he went over to live, and he finally won a tournament late in the year. But before that, he had hardly done anything with live. I think he had had one top 10, you know. So um, in any case, um, 
you know, he got himself healthy here at some point, and, you know, that was sort of the old Brooks, but he just wasn't able to close it out, and I don't think there should be any shame in that. I mean, he was going up against a guy who's been beating the world here for nine months, and and nobody else beat him. So uh, he should take a lot out of that, you know. Now, now whether or not this next little three-tournament stretch for Liv before the PGA Championship was too much or too little, I guess we'll find out. So a big playoff at the Heritage over the weekend. Jordan Spieth knocking on the door. Matt Fitzpatrick slamming the door uh, on the third playoff hole. Uh, just uh, it was pretty exciting playoff. The putts weren't dropping for Jordan, and finally uh, Matt got it done. Yeah, listen. Uh... It was a great tournament, you know, and it was a nice win for Fitzpatrick, who hadn't won on the PJ Tour since the U.S. Open last year. It's kind of nice validation, uh, nice confidence boost. It had to be frustrating for Jordan. You know, he had putts on both the first two playoff holes that looked like they were in. Um, Crazy. And, you know, he didn't, he didn't really play a bad round at the end. I mean, you know, maybe he could have tried to put it away, but it's easier said than done. This wasn't like Bay Hill or Valspar where you kind of thought he, he might have left it out there. This one, it was more he got beat. But no, it was a very good tournament, very compelling. It got good ratings. I mean, usually usually uh, Hilton Head is a little bit of a sleepy event. Um, but I think it had a little bit more of a vibe this time with all the, you know, with such a good feel. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody knows now that got raised to a designated event. Interesting coming right off the Masters. These guys, their tanks are kind of empty. Jordan talked about the fact that he was he was tired, that he'd played, well, now it's nine out of 11 weeks, and this was something you and I were talking about, just how heavy the schedule is with these designated events, and, and how, how, are, how are they going to, you know, manage that moving forward? I think they have a tough decision here if it's not already been made. Um, I never thought playing a designated event the week after the Masters was a good idea. They're going to do it after the U.S. Open, but the Travelers has really sort of embraced that role, and a lot of guys do like going there. You know, um, I don't think there's as much, as tough as the U.S. Open can be, I don't think there's it's as much of a mental grind the next week as it is the week after the Masters if you are not used to doing that. This is the first time since Jordan won the Masters in 2015 that the Masters winner went to Hillhead. Rom went. You could almost be sure he would not have gone had he not been, you know, more or less required to due to the designated event. Um, thing and and next year they won't be required to, but it's hard to skip them when you're looking at battling for these things at the end of the year, and you know that everybody else there is going to be getting points because it's it's going to be a no cut event if it's a designated event. So this is why it's a tough decision I think because if you have a sponsor that's willing to pay or meet, meet whatever, you know, the tour is requiring of these designated events, how do you say no to that? You know, not everybody's going to be able to step up. There's a $12 million difference in purse, basically, 
12, you know, 11, 10, whatever it is. And the tour is not covering all of that. They might be covering very little of it. So the sponsor has to step up. So, you know, let's say a lot of money for eight and another eight million when they're probably already 12 and 13 million in to begin with. You know, so now you're going to ask them to pay 20, you know, so not everybody can do that. But in some ways it paid off. I mean, they had their ratings were the second highest rated golf tournament of the year outside the Masters. Wow. The best of the best of any other regular event. I mean, that surprises me. Because usually even golf fans have a bit of a hangover after the Masters. Right. So it, it, it worked. I mean, the elevated events, the designated events, have done very well. They've had good ratings. All year-over-year ratings have been up. There is something to be said for bringing the best players together in the same tournaments more often. Frankly, that is what Phil was preaching a decade ago. And... You know, what really has sort of led to Liv. Liv's idea was to have as many of the top 48 as they could have, you know. Um, And the idea was if you had all these top players together more often, people would be more compelled to watch. So the tour has now gone its own way with with this idea. And I think it's working. But there are growing pains. One thing that will help them, there won't be a match play next year. So that's an event week where a guy can take off. So there won't be as many leading into the Masters. But it's still a lot, you know. It's a lot. There's a lot of tournaments. You know, if you if you play the Century, if, if, let's say it's the same as it was this year, uh, which it, it, it may or may not be. But if you play the Century and then, you know, maybe you want to play another one, like Jordan plays Pebble Beach, you know, Rom won the Amex, you'd think he'd go back there. So you play one of those, then you play Phoenix and Riv, then you play Bay Hill and the Players, um, and then then the Masters. It's a lot of golf, you know, and um, so and especially if you have to play the week after. So they've got some they've got some decisions to make on that, and uh, you know maybe foregoing one that the match play week will help uh, uh, with with that decision. And again, like I said. You know, you've got to have the if, – if it's not them, well, then who else? And, and are they going to be able to step up? Well, maybe the fact that they're running low on gas is a cause for the, for the slow play that's been going on, Bob. A lot of chatter about that, particularly uh, aimed at Patrick Cantley. Matt Fitzpatrick calling it a disgrace – in his best British accent. <laughs> and Brooks saying something to the effect of after playing behind Rom in his group at the Masters, <laughs> John, <laughs> he counted seven times he took a bathroom break. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what's Listen, going on? Well, one thing is, some of it's anecdotal. Like, Cantley just has a slow routine. You know, but... The other thing you have to keep in mind is that the Masters on that Sunday, nobody was really going anywhere. True. They sent they went they went off in twosomes off of both tees. I believe there were fifty four there were fifty four players with Tiger out who made the cut with Tiger out. So there's fifty three, but fifty four is what is that uh, uh, seventeen groups? So. That means nine on one side and eight on the other. If you do the math, it's not going to work. 
like when you're when you're teeing when you're the last group teeing off of one, the first group that teed off a few hours earlier on ten is going to be making the turn right, right in front of you. Yeah. You know, and so that's never not never a, a good scenario. Yeah, it's not going to be an open fairway to just go to just go. You know, um, uh, or I'm, I, it's not the last group, but the first group. You know, teeing off on number one, there's going to be that turnaround. Right. And you're going, you're you're just going to run. Whoever's who's ever, you know, first off or whatever, it's not a free tee like it normally would have been. And so by the time you get around to that hole, and so it's. It's just going to – this is the problem the tour has on Thursdays and Fridays. You know, if you have 144 players, you have 72 in the morning and 72 in the afternoon. Well, that's 36 players in each wave and uh, a front and back. And if you, if you, you know, you do the math, that's 12 groups per side. And it doesn't quite work out well enough to where there's going to be space. Like, it's going to get jammed up. And so, you know, and, and that, that was part of it. And then you've got a hard golf course. It's a major. All that stuff is going to make it make it difficult. So, bring in a time clock. Uh, I don't. What, what What are your thoughts on that? Does it Does it make sense for golf? They tried it, you know, on the DP World Tour, using it in baseball. Yeah, and it's working great in baseball. I don't know if it can really work in golf. But the system they have in place, they doesn't really account for. They don't really enforce it, so um, uh, that's a problem. They don't. They don't enforce the, uh, um, the their own their own rules. You know, they if a group gets out of position, they're supposed to be put on the clock. And if and if a, and if a guide, you know, there's like there's guidelines for if, if you're first, it's. It's 40 seconds. If it's and if you're next, it's 30. And you know, if a guy goes over that one time, you should be get you should get hit with a warning immediately. And then the next time, you're supposed to be penalized. They barely ever even get warned. Right. You know, it's, they don't even get told that their group's out of position. You know, the tour does track total round time, but that information is not made public. So there's there's a lot that's kept under the hood. Right. So we got. A team event this weekend, week and weekend, um, at the uh, Zurich Classic, one of my favorites in Nolens. Who who you got your eyes on? Well, I just think it's easy to pick to pick the uh, uh, the defending champs. I mean, um, Shoffley and Cantley are a really good team. Yeah. You know, I mean, first of all, they're you know they're top what. Uh, top eight, seven guys in the world anyway, and now they're together. And then they've proven to be a good team in this format already at the President's Cup and the Ryder Cup. You know, so they've got a lot of experience in playing best ball and alternate shot, you know. So that doesn't mean they'll win, but I, I just think that, you know, they, they have a big advantage because because they've done this and they know each other's games. And that really helps a lot in alternate shot, and it helps a lot in best ball too because you and they played the course and they've won there and they kind of know. All right, this is a hole where he can hit it here, and so maybe I can do this. I mean, I just think it sets up really well for them now. When you have a tournament with sixty teams, um, a lot can happen. So, well, so it's always fun to watch team events 
and um, you know the Zurich has has found its own lane, and um, it's it's a fun tournament. It really is. What are we four weeks away from Oak Hill and the PGA Championship, Bob? Yep, we're getting closer. All right. Well, sure. it's always always great to spend time with you, Bob Herrig from SI.com. Thanks so much.